Welcome to North Beats from North Beach. I'm your host, Corey Luna. On today's episode, I talk to my friend Doreen Gunnels, aka Need for Storms. Now, before we get into the episode, I'd like to say a couple announcements. Please check out Resident Frequencies on the first Sunday of every month in Oakland. Resident on the first two, on the second Tuesday of every month in San Francisco in the Mission District. And please come out to Peaked on the third Wednesday of every month. We just had our ninth show on December 18th featuring Nathan Moody and Sirnai. You can watch the live YouTube stream currently. And eventually I'll get around to putting the audio on this podcast. This is December 22nd of the evening, and 2019 has actually been a pretty amazing year for for audio for me. Put out my first album, started North Beats podcast, and started North and sort of peaked with my friend Rich Hogben, and it's been a blast with meeting everybody, promoting my friends, and traveling to check out Velocity up in Seattle, getting to know Tim Held of Paja Modcast a bit better, and getting to know Ellison Wolf of Waveform Magazine. These people have been absolutely phenomenal. And also uh, A.M. Filkowski of Data Cult Audio. What a guy. North Beats Podcast is currently funded by myself, and if you'd like to become a patron please go to patreon.com forward slash northbeats and please contribute whatever you feel is appropriate. And if you'd like, I could always send you a couple stickers for the episodes of Peaked we've done. We've done nine episodes, and I think I sell most of the stickers. I can probably send you a collection. And of course, I've got a sticker for North Beats podcast, and eventually I'll put in a tier system so that you know anyone who contributes like $10, I can send you a cassette probably of my own work or of friends. It took three tries to get my friend Dorian Gunnels on the podcast. We, he came over once, and he took over the show and interviewed myself, and then he came over a second time, and we just we just did not stay on topic at all. We just chit-chatted about whatever we wanted to. This third time around, we finally got to talk more about Modular and about his music, his process, and even his performance at Peaked earlier this year. This month has been extremely busy, as you can tell, if you have if you've been listening, I haven't posted a podcast since November. It's been over a month since I've had a chance to really sit down and get one of these out. So please enjoy Need for Storms. And this was a really fun... He's a, he's a friend, and I'm so happy to finally get this episode out. It's been sitting on the drive for eh, maybe two months or so. not Maybe two and a half. Please enjoy Need for Storms. that are actually popular and in, in the public eye like that couldn't tell you yeah i, I, could, I couldn't no either idea. i mean i guess what i'm trying to say is like it used to be that like i had my thumb on that pulse and all that admittedly right. i'm not really looking for it but it used to be that like i didn't have to look for it it was just there right yeah but nowadays you have there. to it's true pop culture has become such a its own machine that. Well, it's always been that way, right? Well, but yeah, it's, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is... There's so much more variety now and so much more mm-hmm. competition that it's harder to stay relevant and, ta- and you know, in the public eye. Mm-hmm. You know? That's true. Because, uh, like, when, say, like, when hair metal was coming out in, the, in, like, the late 70s, early 80s, it was special and new and promoted highly, a lot. You know? 
Yeah, I guess I don't know what the... I've never been too into the music industry like that, so I, I don't know all the inner workings, but it's like, it's totally... The public needs to want something before it gets advertised to them, if that makes any sense. Yes. And it's, uh, I mean, because definitely there's... Yeah, that's true. You know, people out there going like, all right, well, that's, this seems to sell, so we're going to keep selling that. And eventually that leads to a you know, more homogenous kind of pop... Like, I wouldn't say pop culture, but like pop music, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it really um, does. And like, I mean, not that I'm advocating we go back to new metal <laughs> or anything like that, but it's... Yeah, we don't need the 90s happen again. <laughs> no. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just I... There, there may be a couple new bands that have come across but it's like in general i don't know yeah i mean we i think what for personally me the amount of music i listen to now it's i'm looking at Bandcamp for everything mm-hmm. i want to listen to i wish i could do that <clears throat> I, it's their structure and the the user interface both on the website and on their app mm-hmm. is god awful <laughs> and it's enough that like as much as i want to be using it it's enough to kind of keep me away the thing I that I would like to see an improvement on is the bands that you follow I would be it would be nice to see their albums show up in like your in the current feed like when you I, I forget what section of it it is but basically if you go to um, like home or something like that it'll show you like three options of you know featured what's current and you know what your genre of music you like and something else that's irrelevant to my attention. And within that middle category of that music that you like, that you're following, it would be nice to see the, the albums of the bands that are being put out brand new show up in that feed, because they're not. Mm-hmm. I'll get emails of the bands I'm following when they get put out a new album, but it's not automatic. They have to send it like, themselves. I, I, automatically have to, I automatically have to, well, there's a, you know, a, a mass email that Bandcamp right. will send out, but then... It doesn't show up automatically. I actually have to search for that particular album to oh, find really? it. So that's a, a deterrent. It's not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's... Uh, I mean, there have been a couple times where I know the name of like a buddy's band or something like that. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of an example in this second, but it's like I've, I've searched correct spelling and everything, and it's not even on the first five pages that comes up and some of the stuff on the first five is totally irrelevant yeah so i'm like i i I don't understand what's happening behind the scenes there and what's up with their code or how they're searching through this stuff Mm -hmm. and i get that it's it's it can't be that organized um because it's anyone can upload anything right that's true yeah Yeah. so like how do you organize that well there's going to be an element of chaos to that but i do think that uh I mean, it's small things like you know with the albums that you purchase you should be able to properly cash them for offline use yeah i, I, I bought a friend's album that'd be great and i was and i was about to fly you know was, um and i was like oh i want to listen to this on the airplane yeah. but you know quickly purchased it and I, I spent like 10 minutes looking for how do you download this album locally couldn't find it then yeah. eventually i researched it and it's like oh it's an they say it's an ios thing but I don't totally buy that because Spotify can do it. Oh, wow. You know, it's and it, even if it really sure, is just yeah. caching, it's not downloading the actual files, they're, they're just caching it. That's right. okay. And you can only use the album, or I'm sorry, use the app to listen to it. That's all I wanted. 
Right. Like, I'm not looking to download the MP3 files and then, like, offload them off my phone onto something else or anything like that. No, but just to cache it. So yeah. So you can listen to it like, when you're on not an airplane. online, on an airplane. Exactly. That does make sense. No, it's ridiculous. My get around for that is I'll put it on my, my Dropbox and then make that make those files available offline. That's a good basically, yeah. basically, you know, makes Dropbox download to your phone. But That's a good point, yeah. That works. It's just a bit more tedious. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also the, I guess you can kind of get, I don't know, I think we're, we're beyond that whole manually sorting all your MP3 files and all this stuff. Like, I don't know anybody who should be, but yeah. We well, do, do you be. prefer that? Do you like having I kind of do because I don't use Spotify. Okay. Um, I don't, well, and so I don't really like Spotify, how it works. And I don't... That can be improved, too, by the way. I'm not saying they're perfect. <laughs> and honestly, I don't even like iTunes, but mm-hmm. because it's the inherent uh, app for iPhones, it's just more convenient to use it because it's already programmed into it. So it's easier to just use it as it is. And I'm used to it now, so I, I know how to you know change things up and you know make my own playlist and all that fun stuff. And But it does take time. Yeah. You know, and it takes up a lot of space and telling you, telling your computer, don't put it on the damn hard drive, put it in the external hard drive because I don't want to fill up my damn hard drive. Yeah. Well, I, I read an interview with one of the top brass at Bandcamp or something like that. Um, and they said, you know, they, they want to fight against that culture of like, you know, playlisting everything and all that. Like, you know, you should listen to the old album. And I, I respect some of that because there is a, a nostalgia in that, right? There is, yeah. Where, I, I mean, when we were growing up, it's like you, you couldn't just stream it. No. Or you couldn't even just download an album. So you, you went, you bought an album, but then that's a contained bit of music. And you would digest that because that's the latest in your physical collection that you have at home. Yes. And there is something kind of cool about that. Um, you know, no one would ever really want to go back to that unless they're really into having something physical. And usually they're going to buy vinyl at that point. No one's going to buy a CD. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, and that's a good question, especially for us. Like, it's like what are we going to do with, you know, are we just going to stream things? Are we just going to, are we going to try to put out, you know, nostalgic physical albums that are not even necessary anymore unless you really want to there's a novelty to that it. novelty yeah and honestly i would love to release you know a record like on yeah. vinyl and all this That'd stuff be great, yeah. but it's also not necessary like you say it's, it really yeah. isn't you know but unfortunately that also means like i i have no idea how anyone makes money at this stuff and the classic response to that is like oh people don't make money off album sales they make money off touring it's like that's that's isn't that still true to an extent? How much money have you made touring? I haven't gone on tour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How much? Like, that takes a lot, right? It does. And you have to fund the tour. And, like, yeah. and I'm willing to bet there's a lot of smaller tours that don't make money because they end up breaking even at the best or going in the hole. Yeah. So, I mean, that might be true to someone who's quote-unquote made it. Yeah. Um, yeah because they're selling merchandise at those venues when you go that on too. tour you're selling merchandise and that's where you make a lot of your money is you're selling t-shirts and 
records and posters yeah. and any other paraphernalia you're selling but fanatical but we just talked about the, the records right we did oh they're selling the records so it's you that know could be part of it it's this whole thing on just like you know how do you actually make money at doing this and i think i mean for me like i'm i'm lucky in that I have zero intent to make money on it. <laughs> it's it really is like oh, it's for the art, man. Like that's how it it's all about the music. Yeah, in this in the, in, the, in the Bay Area community, that is very much the consensus with a lot of the musicians we. Uh, well, it's we know. because we have no choice. <laughs> it's you're yeah, either like, in it for the the love of it or you're not in it. That's true. That's true. Um, but that's a good question of how are how do musicians make money nowadays? And I'm gonna ask Drew Waters about that. Who's Drew? He's a um, he's the VP at a studio in LA. Okay. Yeah, uh, really interesting yeah. guy. Well, yeah, I mean, but it's he also actually, uh, he's on. He's, you can find his stuff on Bandcamp on Drum Machinist, where cool. he does like all kinds of. It's just like all analog, you know, one SH one hundred one and three hundred three and six hundred six, fun stuff like that. All all he's just like programming it all. Cool. All yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's yeah I'm. I feel lucky that I don't care, because <laughs> if I cared about making money on this, I think I'd stress myself out on like trying to crunch the numbers and trying to min-max everything. That's totally my personality. Mm-hmm. On like, maybe not so much the min-maxing, but but like, figuring out how to actually make a profit off something that inherently is not profitable. I definitely gave up on trying to push my album, even though I you know I made, I put out cassette tapes, like. This past weekend, I was hanging out with some friends and getting to know some guys that I just you know, kind of knew, friends of friends. And we started talking more about music and realized we had a bit more in common. I'm like, wait a minute, I've got a copy of my cassette in in this, you know, in my bag. Here you go. And they were excited to get it. I didn't get any, you know, they didn't, I just gave it to them. I didn't get anything mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. But they were excited to know that I'm making music and, I, and they thought it was cool I put out a cassette tape. Other people go, yeah. what the hell am I supposed to play this on? And Well, I mean, to be honest, I, mean, I bought a copy of yours, and I have not listened to it. <laughs> not on the cassette. No, I mean, I've listened to the download, because it's and a that's download fine. copy. Yeah. But then we come back to the Bandcamp thing. I'm yeah. just like, oh, if I wanted to, you know, listen to Corey Luna's latest jams. Right. I can't do that on an airplane. No, it's true. I would have so. to put it on Spotify so you could cash it. Yeah. Which is a Which smart is idea, why I is... do that. And um, it's something that Frank Martin told me that I should be doing, which I still have I don't done. see why you don't, because, uh, well, I don't know if they do it anymore, but it used to be that you could upload your own stuff. I don't know if they stopped that. Um, Good question. It's just something I have not taken the time to look into. Yeah. Well, and I will admit that, like with Frank, he really puts a lot of time into the maybe that min-maxing kind of thing like trying to make a profit or at least getting yourself visible and stuff like that I think what he's doing mostly is getting himself visible not necessarily making a profit because yeah, he, he's not necess- not, not, not uh, concerned about making a profit sure. but his I, his uh, what his goal is is to get more visibility mm-hmm. and get you know more followers and get more he seems more to be working I he's got he's his playlist a pretty good job with that I just actually checked the playlist because I was thinking like at this point I've probably fallen off it because I think the little EP I made was like 2018 mm-hmm. and here we are almost 2020 yeah. um, but I'm still there <laughs> and almost all my listens come from that playlist which is wow. really funny now that's a that's a, like a modular playlist on yeah. Spotify yeah it's pretty cool, that is cool. Um, and it's it's pretty long now 
So, Dorian, you're back for, I think, maybe the third time. <laughs> Is it the third now? I think so. Well, I know the first time uh, I didn't expect to be recording, so we just <laughs> didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, hi. Hey, man, how have you been? Good. Uh, it's kind of coming, coming close to the end of my time in the Bay Area. Yeah, man, I'm going to miss seeing you more so much. I'll still come back. I think um, that's kind of the intent. I, I'm working on having a little setup that I can travel with and potentially, you know, still come and play around that's here awesome. and all that. I, I really loved it here. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, I'll be able to do the same kind of thing up north. Mm-hmm. I think you can. You know, if there's anything I can do to help out, like, just help, whatever I can do. Yeah, I just, just need to find out. out what the community is like up there. I have yeah, zero fun. idea. Um, but it's I, I'm looking forward to it because it's you know new beginnings. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Absolutely. So let's go up with our first question. When did you start playing music? Playing music or playing modular music? When you start playing, uh, when you start playing modular music. Okay. Let's hear about that. Uh, that was about three years ago. Uh, and it's actually pretty ironic, I think, that I got into it at all. Because, you know, I had a friend that, you know, back in college, and, like, he was super into, you know, synthesizers and stuff like that, and I was super not. Um, I, I was guitarist, and I was, you know, it was all, like, progressive rock music and uh, things like that. Um, there was a, it slowly, slowly started getting a little more electronic, but I had no intention of ever making electronic music. Because, I mean, to be honest, I thought it was lazy. Um, you know, this idea of, I programmed a sequencer, and now it plays it back for me. I made music. It's like that, that mentality never really clicked with me, because, you know, I, I liked having that physical piece of wood that's strapped to your body, and that note that you played is, whether intended or not, you made that note, you know, and then... You know, whether or not you put vibrato on that note, it's like you're adding your personality into it as the music comes out. Um, and I now know in hindsight, and you know, because of what I'm doing now, it's like you can still do that with electronic music. I just didn't know that at the time. Right. And um, especially modular music, I just thought it was stupid expensive and really unreasonable, especially considering software. Like you have, I mean, this, was, this would be around. Well, like I said, three years ago, but yeah, it's by sixteen. Yeah, and and the, the the software was great. You could do so much, and there were all these emulations, and they're only better now. Yeah. Um, but I I always thought that it was just a, a really dumb thing to get into, <laughs> and uh, and now you're into it. I am, and it's because uh, I I I turns out uh, I needed the the right enablers. Um, really what it was was I started showing just a little bit of interest because I was really into sound design um, kind of got into like the the Amon Tobin Foley room kind of stuff oh, cool. and making music based on that in addition to my guitar so I would usually record something you know a chair squeaking or whatever like that and try to make a full track based on that you know just warping it and adding effects to it and I always thought that was super fun um, but when you sit there with a laptop or a keyboard and mouse, you know, you, you're still abstracted from it in a lot of ways and you're not performing, which is exactly what I didn't want. Like that, that's right in that, Hey, I programmed a sequencer. I made music. Mm -hmm. And so I was like looking for something a little more tactile 
started looking at little keyboards and stuff and um everything kind of clicked when um it was two things my i had a friend for my birthday found a like a used volca keys cool and uh you know i started kind of experimenting with that and then going through ableton and looping that with different scenes and stuff i was like oh, okay cool you can you know you have something in front of you that you're playing you loop it and i kind of got into the looping thing and then my brother gifted me two mother 32s wow yeah that's nice yeah uh that, that, and that was a big deal that changed everything because you know first of all like these were not like i don't want to say they're not cheap because well they're not cheap they're but not it's cheap. It, it, but it was also like these were you know two professional synths right yeah. you know doing you know and so i started kind of like experimenting and writing with those and realizing that the tactile nature and the fact that yes you have a sequencer but then live you can kind of change what the sequencer is doing you can override it by playing you know notes into it and stuff mm -hmm. so uh that kind of got everything rolling and then suddenly you're like well you know what you know i got these two but it'd be really cool if you also added a maths Oh, it'd be really cool if you added a Walkabug. Oh, it'd be really cool if you added a Tempe. And you just keep going and keep going, and then mm -hmm. mistakes were made, and now I'm into modular music. <laughs> so, tell me, where does your inspiration for modular music come from? Is it started, does it start with the samples and, and continue from there? It, or it the did in the motions? beginning. Yeah, and, and honestly, the, the idea of like having the, the traditional chain of, you know, you have your you have your oscillator you have your filter you have your vca and like you know that traditional chain i really wasn't that into it or interested in it um because i wanted to make sample based music i just wanted to warp the crap out of you know something you know i wanted to transform something into something different uh and make full music based on that cool um but you know, well, and also like the whole idea of like you know that, that classic Moog sound, mm -hmm. I again I wasn't super into it because like I, I just thought it sounded like cheesy in eighties, <laughs> you know, and it's you know very Vangelis, you know, if you like throw a bunch of effects on it and you know it's all reverbed and blissed out, and not that that's a bad thing because it, it's so funny that I was so vehemently against doing this, and then now I'm so vehemently into it. <laughs> it it's funny how that works. Um, but yeah, it started with wanting to kind of warp my guitar and, you know, warp other samples. And then slowly getting into the ecosystem and just exploring what that allows. And kind of, that now I'm combining the two. Where it's like, I do have, you know, full voices and all that stuff. But then I also still have the sample-based stuff. Nice. And I think a lot of the magic that comes out of, out of uh, doing modular music, electronic music in general, is no two people are going to make the same sounds with the same equipment definitely not i i i talked to a friend once that you know he was like oh don't share your patches you know that those that's you know someone can just steal that from you and then make the same stuff and like i think <laughs> i always thought that was a silly thing honestly because give the same patch to two people and give them 10 minutes to play it they will play two very different things i agree um, unless they're doing exactly what I said that I don't like, which is press play and just listen. Right. Because at that point, it's like, oh, okay, that's... If you've created this patch that just plays itself, yeah, it's going to sound like itself. 
but that human intervention that's what i'm mostly into anyway so uh, I, I don't necessarily like those like you know you see these on youtube a lot these like self-generating patches that people make mm-hmm. um i think they can be really cool uh and as a compositional tool i think is super cool because you know what i would probably do is you know put one of those together record like 15 minutes of it then find the little sections that i like and kind of chop it all together into like a, a longer track or you know compose that way um but as the final product um not quite as in- interested in that um but there was also this, you know i forgot who i heard say this but it, it's it can be just as much about what you don't do as what you do do right uh and it's like playing a solo like on, on your guitar it's like the whole you know david gilmore thing of like you know it's it's the space between the notes that matter <laughs> you know and it's in in some ways like when you're patching something that's the same thing like you don't necessarily have to you know plug a cable into every single lfo out that right. you have right you know it's really just about you know adding yourself into it in some way so these self-generating patches they can be kind of cool but if someone else takes those same patches and then adds themselves into it in a live setting you will wind up with two very different things absolutely yeah yeah that's something that again like and that's one of the wonderful things and also one of the hard things about modular is that you can easily uh change your change your patch Mm -hmm. by moving one or two patches or one or two knobs or two knobs (laughs) and you have a completely different thing and you wait I need to go back and find that, and then you've lost it. That's happened so many times. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's there's something kind of beautiful about that, though. There uh, is. And I know a lot of people don't like this, but I like the fleeting nature mm-hmm. of this, where you're like, okay, once you've pulled a patch, unless you really remember what was going on, it's gone forever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you have a smaller system, it's a little easier to remember this stuff. But if you've got, you know... You, you see some of these people with like four rows of like you know it's crazy yes and like I think in, in some ways I'm like I wouldn't even really know where to start much less remember how to get back to where I was <laughs> um, but yeah no I think uh, again you always add yourself into the machine yeah and that's one of my favorite things about you know electronic music is the the level of machine and man or and, and person sure really is that there's that interaction where you there's that that drone and then there's you know the interface which is you mm-hmm. getting into that getting into that mix and seeing where that goes and, and there's some wonderful things that happen that way that you don't even expect sometimes I, I a, f- a friend of mine and I uh, kind of experimented one time I, I came over to his studio and you know he's got his patch or his whole modular with nothing patched and we kind of took turns like you know we'd get two minutes like you patch something up really quickly and then switch off like whether you were finished with the idea or not yeah you switch off and it was really interesting because we were making pretty fundamentally different decisions um they were never bad um and it's not like we were into totally different music. Like, he's trying to make a house track, and I'm making something ambient. Like, yeah. we were both trying to kind of keep with the ambient thing and, you know, do something kind of always evolving. 
And it was actually really cool. And again, it, it totally reinforces that idea of it takes, you put yourself into it, right? Yes. And I, I think that's, you know, in the very beginning, that's what I didn't see. There is a certain kind of shroud over what you're doing anyway. Uh, because it's like, even if you've really dealt with this a lot and you, you're used to watching somebody patch something and perform, like maybe at peak or something like that, you know, there's like a camera over you, you know, over the performer and you can see what knobs are twisting and all that, but yes. it's not obvious what's going on. No, it very really rarely. Isn't. And I, I think that's unfortunate uh, because I definitely fell into this trap of like, it's not very obvious. So the computer or, you know, a sequencer or something must be doing it all and you know there's something to be said about trying to bring down that veil that curtain but that's a hard thing to do because it really is like not obvious what's going on that's true uh, so tell me about what is left coast lights left coast lights that's uh so it uh when i first came to the bay area or I should say when I first got into modular synthesizers in the Bay Area um, around the same time uh, Kevin started resonant frequencies which is the, the modular or not even just modular but just like hardware synth open mic night right and um, I happened to go on a whim a friend of mine at work says hey my buddy's starting this you know small show do you want to come and I was I had nothing to do it was that simple um, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come over and check it out. I happened to have my camera with me. I think I think there were maybe four performers, maybe six, which is a lot. Um, honestly, I don't remember how many performers now, but the audience was like just as small, right? It was yes. like six people in the audience, six performers, <laughs> you know. We so switch off, basically. Yeah, it was, it was very tiny, but I thought it was really cool because, you know, there were people playing you know, uh, you know, there was, you know, a modular, there was, you know, someone playing, you know, this circuit bent thing, uh, mm -hmm. and a, you know, and a drum machine. Uh, I think one person had like an OB6 or something like that, and they were playing oh, that wow. through guitar pedals, and um, I thought it was really cool, but I also, I was just like, oh, I'm going to keep taking photos, you know, because I happen to have my camera with me, and Kevin saw me taking the photos, and he's like, hey, can we maybe use some of these I was like, yeah sure and i kept coming back you know he's like oh we're going to be doing this you know first sunday of every month and he still has almost two years later and uh you know i so for a while i was the unofficial official photographer for the event um but through this you know you keep going and the show starts growing and growing and growing by i guess word of mouth the facebook page and maybe some other stuff and I know word of mouth. Yeah, and that. so you eventually came, yeah. uh, and I met you through there, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's like this community kind of started growing and growing around it. Well, then I moved to New York, so I think if by this point it was like Res Freak Six or something like that was the first one I didn't go to. Mm -hmm. So you know the five months of growth and getting to know this community, I was like, well, that's a bummer. Like I just got to know all these people. Yeah. I wanted to figure out a way to stay in contact without having to do like, hey, let me get your number and we're going to text back and forth, you know, which is kind of weird. So like, I was like, okay, what's a group text kind of thing without being a group text? 
Uh, so I started looking into Discord and Slack. Right. Um, and you actually sent me. A, I think you actually, actually did text me, asking yeah, my the, opinion. Yeah. There, there were a few people yeah. that I was like, you know, if, would you be into this at all? Because um, I had tried this even with some friends. We we use Slack and everyone's like, yeah, tell me, let's use it, and then no one used it. <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, it's fine. You know, these kind of things, like, there needs to be a void that needs filling through some sort of thing like this. Yeah. Well, it turns out it kind of worked because um, what was originally just supposed to be, like, this tiny little keeping in contact with friends while we all, you know, branch out into other cities and all that kind of stuff, it started growing. And uh, honestly, is is I don't know how many people are, we have in it, but I think it's, like, close to 90 now. That's crazy. Yeah. But, like, any community like that, like, the vast majority of people don't post. They just kind of lurk around. But that's okay. Like, the yeah. whole point is just to have a venue to be able to quickly contact other musicians. Right? And right. I think, you know, eventually, I, I forget when we even decided this, but uh, we, I mean, there are no rules in it. No. But we did want to keep it local. Whereas, that was, like, one of the main ideas behind it, but I think it's branched out a little bit beyond that myself right. included like I, I'm I will not be local soon but I don't plan yeah. on leaving it which honestly like I think it's it's fine like yeah. end of the day it's really just about keep you know having a venue to stay in contact with uh, other musicians but the whole idea of staying local the purpose of that was like these are people that you could theoretically see in person yeah like with I wouldn't say minimal effort but a lot less effort than if I lived in Georgia you live here like when are we going to see each other right? right so then you're just a name on a message board and it's i think you know there are a few discord servers from like you know different reddit forums and stuff like that i could never get into those personally because chatting to a random username with no real context of who they are it's a hard thing for me yeah um and i imagine you know for a lot of other people as well but if I knew most of the people on that message board, I'd have an easier time. Yeah. So the idea was like, hey, if you you know jump in here, then you also go to shows, you will see those same people. You know. Yeah, and that's how it's worked out very very much. Yeah. And that's how we've been able to add more people too. Is mostly been from going to one of the shows in the Bay Area, saying, hey, we've got this, uh, you know, the Left Coast Light Slack chat. You're welcome to join. Yeah. And it's been very good. I think it's yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's gotten a little slow now. It's um, been slow lately. Yeah, um, a but, lot has been really busy. But, well, um, it's also been, you know, these things have this kind of unofficial expiration date as well, right? Right. Where you know maybe, maybe it's finally reached it. Maybe people are getting bored of it or something like that. And then the next thing will happen. It's you know, it's really just trying to you know keep a community going. Yeah. And uh, I think there are some core people that you know. Still keep it going and still communicate through it. Um, but yeah, no, if everyone kind of stops organically, then so be it. You know, yeah. it's, it's really just about, I guess it, it, it turned into me kind of doing my part to keep a community going. Um, and I'm glad it, you know, I'm glad people wanted to jump on and talk. I've learned a lot from everybody here and I've, you know, gotten some shows this way and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a big resource for me in the Bay Area more than I ever thought it would be because you know originally it was just supposed to be a way to stay in contact with a few friends and then it kind of exploded and 
like what I'm hoping is that uh, you know maybe even like in private conversations you know it's facilitated that I've got no way of knowing that right but I, I hope it has um, I, I, I've definitely been using it you know, for personal conversations mostly asking people if they're if they want to play peep things like that but, sure just you know random stuff you know, fun stuff like that booking but also like I used it the other last last week or so maybe the week before I contacted um, vets just because he put out uh, you know maybe a month or so ago that if anyone wants like their photos glitched let them know oh right yeah, so he's I doing sent that. a couple of photos that I did of these models on the beach over Ocean Beach you know a couple of weeks ago and he was so stoked he did like seven in a minute <laughs> I wonder how, I wonder what he uses to do that um, I think it's called Glitch App. Oh, it's it's yeah. It's, there's there well, there's two different ones. There's a Glitch App for iOS, and there's a Glitch app, Glitch App for Android, which I think they they might be separate companies. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but I on iOS I download I I bought one and it's pretty fun. But what the results I'm using that I'm getting from it are completely different than what he's doing. So mm-hmm. may I'm assuming maybe they're different companies, but I don't know entirely. Or it could be that whole thing that we were talking about, give someone the same patch, and they'll, they'll sound different. Them completely different. Yeah, yeah that could maybe. be. Yeah, you might be right about that. But well, that's honestly, cool. I want to thank you for setting up Left Coast Lights because it was something that create, that helped me create, well, not, not me create, but helped me get into the community that I wanted. Because as I started to get more and more into electronic music over from 2016 into 2018, I wanted that community because I want I was trying to change something in my life where I want more of my life to be around like-minded people, and and this Slack chat, Left Coast Lights, has really given me that platform to stay connected, reach out to resources of people that I respect and admire, and I can talk to them on a personal basis. And it, thanks, man. It's been a, a really wonderful tool. Well, thank you. I I think. Um... No, it wasn't really a, like, oh, I'm going to make this giant forum that everybody <laughs> jumps into, right? You know, it starts small. Yeah. And I've tried it before, again, with, you know, with people I would actually consider pretty, like, much closer friends. Yeah. Um, and it fell apart. So it really just, um, I think it's, it was a void that needed filling. Uh, and I didn't even know it needed filling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was also uh, Josh... Like that, that that beginning group was like me, you, Lachlan, Josh, Kevin. Like it's mm-hmm. um, people that also wanted a community to grow. So I think a lot of us, were, you know, as soon as we were like, oh, you know, it's okay. It's not like a small private text group. Right. You know, we just started telling friends, and they told their friends and stuff like that. It was again, it's it, it was I guess a void that I didn't know needed filling. Um, and I wish that things like this would exist for other cities or other areas. Like if I were to go up to Vancouver, like the first thing I would do is try to seek out something like this. And if I can't find it, I'm going to try making it again. That'd Um, be great. But again, like you can't guarantee like that kind of growth. Like it's something that happened to catch on here very well might not catch on the same way there. And the flavor might be different where, you know, I don't know what the scene is like there. You know, yeah. if it's more clubby kind of stuff or if, if there really is like just a 
ton of modular artists that haven't found each other yet or maybe they have and i don't you know again i'm so new to all this yeah that uh, I, i'm excited to find out mm-hmm. um i'm excited to hear yeah. about it because you know i'm i would love to see that blossom out in vancouver yeah. um i got a friend of mine that i i know from marin years ago his family moved from uh, california to uh, victoria canada and he and his family's still out there mm-hmm. and actually he's actually we played in a golf band a long time ago and now he's playing like we, we reconnected earlier this year he's playing electronic music i'm playing electronic music kind of different styles definitely but you know i got to got to ch- chat with him and he says you know the scene up here in victoria is kind of weird and it's not that well connected but um i think diff- it's really it's, about it's really different yeah I, and uh, again this is um I don't, I don't really want to say that Resonant Frequencies was any sort of genesis. I think that there were already some other shows around. Um, and you, either you made it out to them or, you know, you... I don't know. It was... Uh, for me, it was the connection into this community. And I can definitely kind of, if you were to do the whole, like, detective thing, you know, you do strings to <laughs> different events and stuff. It's, it's definitely a, 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 a point... That a bunch of stuff spread from, you know, I I would think that you know peaked wouldn't have existed. They wouldn't. Yeah. It would not exist if, if uh, we didn't have this community that that has been that has grown. Yeah. Uh, from doing the different live shows and having Left Coast Lights as a forum page for all of us to stay connected. Yeah. And something that and I wouldn't have been able to make a podcast out of you know out of talking to musicians if I didn't have that platform. It's been a great way to, to communicate and to schedule, you know, to talk to everybody. It's been great, and there's no way I could have done either of them. I, I think it's been a kind of a cool thing that happened to work. <laughs> it is, you know, and a lot of it is, you know, the growth has is a, an organic form. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that was forced. It's just ideas. Well, there's no advertisement you know, for it either. They're not at all. I mean, it was word of mouth, and then every so often, if Kevin remembered to mention it, <laughs> yes, <laughs> he would yes. talk about it at resonant frequencies. Yeah. But beyond that, it's. And I think I have yet to even mention it at peaked. I think I always forget, and so it's. I never whatever. even mentioned it on the podcast. Never been. Now I have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you can sure. Maybe yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and you know, and like you said, it's I think organically even grown to beyond the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple people in like Seattle and stuff like that, or probably I wouldn't doubt it. Um, but no one's policing this stuff. Nobody's no. like, there's not even like really in like an admin group other than like there are a couple of us with like admin privileges just because someone has to. Right. And if there needs to be something where like something needs to get changed or something like that, like someone has that ability. Mm-hmm. But nobody's policing anything in this no. group. If anything, you know, if you've made maybe like. You know, temporary chat rooms say like you know for you know the group of us are going up to velocity yeah like, those that actually was super cool because it's almost like a uh, like an email thread yes and but so it's, it's in real time <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so and then anyone can join in you just tell everyone that it exists and it's not a locked group or anything like that you just jump in and if you don't care about it that that was the other cool thing about it which I hope that people understand like if you jump into left coast lights you're not presented with much. 
and that's by design like oh. there's a um, there's an about channel that literally is just like a post that says this is what it is which I think at this point I need to rewrite that because mm-hmm. I think it's gone now because it's a free slack thing so right, we only so... have a certain number and there was a there's been a fair amount of chatting going on so I'm pretty sure we're well over that limit so okay. those early messages have gone away but there's the about there's an intros thing where people can just like write a little blurb about themselves kind of introducing themselves to the group general and whatever random is or I don't know if we got rid of that or not I think it's still there yeah yeah I don't remember if anybody even posts in that but <laughs> whatever but then there's like easily 10 or 15 other channels but they're subs- like you have to subscribe to them mm-hmm. and the idea is that you like if you join this you're not going to be bombarded right you know the you can tailor your message. experience yeah so at the end of the day like you know everyone is subscribed to general so if you want to you know post something that everybody sees throw it on general but beyond that it's kind of up to the user to kind of tailor their own stuff you know there's stuff on like oh i do want to see other people's music making philosophy so you join the making music <laughs> channel right or the shameless self-promotion yep which is literally just like i made a thing posted in there yep um, not everybody useful. wants to see that, so that's not a default one, you know. Yeah, you don't have to subscribe, subscribe to it if you don't want to see it. Yeah, even the Resident Frequencies one isn't a default. It's just like, no, if you want to hear about res, subscribe to it. Otherwise, <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, it's it's super casual, and um, I don't know. It's so far it's worked. Yeah, so. it's been a great tool. It really has. Yeah. Uh, so leading into question was tell me so earlier you were talking to me about after you had played Pete mm-hmm. last week you had uh, mentioned to me that you're not in the same mindset for you know like a and a after playing a set mm-hmm. but there's you know things you wanted to say you know in hindsight oh yeah well, it's funny like again I might not I, I doubt everyone else is like this but like I get severe stage fright and luckily I'm making like ambient music so like if I'm closing my eyes or something like that I'm looking meditative <laughs> when it's really just me trying not to panic and run away <laughs> um, you know so even at the end of like what would be kind of like a chill set like I, I'm totally full of adrenaline because that's just the only way I got through the set so it's almost like you know sitting down after you know for a Q and A afterwards. And I'm definitely not complaining about like the peaked format or wouldn't want to change that at all. By the way, that's not what I was getting at. But I'm um, your it's okay. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think it's great. Right. I I'm just uh, I'm realizing my own uh, how I interface with that, which is uh, my mind is so scattered that when I'm asked a question. I realize I don't have the best answers because <laughs> I think like there was someone that asked like how do you n- make something not sound like mud um, and it's I think my, my I, th- I actually have not actually re-listened to the whole thing because I can't stand to listen to myself talk I probably won't listen to this okay but um, I think I said something along the lines of like you know I just kind of throw everything together and hope for the best <laughs> or like which is so not what I do right no you know? you're, I think you're very calculated it's it, this whole like making these sets is an iterative process so if something's not working you know I, basically I record it you know a jam that I'll do that like it's intended to be that live set 
and then I'll listen back through it, almost like you know, listen, like looking back at a football play or something like that, and going like, okay, right. this worked, this didn't. And if it's something that can just be like, if oh, there's that part sounds too muddy, I'll put an EQ on that or something like that. If it's something like a loop that I'm going through with the Octatrack, that's an easy thing. You just go into Logic and EQ it, and bounce it back. You know, if it's something in the modular, then it's like okay, it's a little harder. But if I've, if I've got the room for an EQ or something, I'll do that. Or I'll take it out completely, because it's like ooh, that doesn't really fit with the whole thing. New idea. You know, it's it's just an iterative process. Um, I don't remember all the questions that were asked, but that was the one that later I was like, I sound like I really am not thinking this through, and it's <laughs> so not the case. It's just in the moment, I, I didn't quite know how to answer the question. So, in what's the difference in in terms of sets that you perform, or is there a difference between say peak and like resonant frequencies? I wouldn't say there's a difference between peaked in res but there is definitely a difference between what i perform live and what i would probably make on an album yeah um because the, the stuff that I, I really want on an album is very ambient and flowing and you know gets really into the sound design and stuff like that and not a lot of you know no no, no beats or anything like that um maybe a single kick it's very monotonous <laughs> like but it's it's mostly about the the sound design of like the ambience around mm -hmm. um at least that's the state that i'm in now not that i wouldn't want to do that later but um but then when you're playing this stuff live i i haven't figured out how to make that interesting for 15 to 20 minutes yeah um so what i'll usually do is i'll write three sections and having drums and stuff like that and having something a little more you know up tempo or whatever it that helps so right now it's it's two different styles of I wouldn't say styles of music but it's definitely two different approaches to writing because again like writing something to be performed and to be performed uh, I wouldn't say routinely but uh, predictably like that's the, again that's probably the guitarist side of me that like mm -hmm. I've, I've never been able to do like I put together a patch this weekend and I'm just gonna play that patch and make it interesting for 15 minutes like um, I don't remember his name, but uh, was it Musical Fungus? Yes. You know, he says that like he like he puts together a, a patch, and it doesn't change that much. But like if you go back through his the stuff that he posts, like there's a lot of variety in there. There really is. So like I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I can't do that. I I know my own limitations, and maybe one day I'll I'll graduate to that level. But you know so for me it's something that like i have to keep practicing at and usually you know, playing a set if i were to play it again there are there will be slight differences because of that human element but the basic structure is exactly the same um so like if i were to play the peaked thing again like all the big points will be there probably in the same like roughly you know 20 seconds you know the the big changes will still be happening around there because it's yeah. very very timed out and do you have an album you're working on trying to trying to um it's uh, life always gets in the way of these things and i'm not doing this for money and all that so it's yeah. you know um when i move back up to vancouver i have a job lined up now which is great cool uh but i have no idea like i, I imagine that it's going to take you know the vast majority of my time um 
I think there was a part of me that was hoping to get a you know a, a week to a month break in there, mm-hmm. and just be like, I'm just gonna chill for a while and you know work on music, spend time with my wife. But um, that seems to not really be in the cards. So uh, I'm gonna try to. I was hoping to have something out by January, and I'm still going to try to shoot for that. But that is looking less and less likely. But we'll see. Uh, and again, it would be that kind of ambient, flowy kind of stuff. And it's, you know, kind of sticking with uh, kind of what I said at Peaked, which is, you know, the, the way that I write music for an album is like I need something to write to. So it's like I've got this collection of like little short story outlines, nothing detailed. It's just like here are the major plot points. And then I would write music to that. Um, it's almost like, you know, I guess scoring a film or something. But. Uh, so I, I, I would use that structure to write a, a very flowy kind of ambient album. I've, I've already contacted someone about a uh, potential like album cover. Um, she was going to like do these like really cool paintings and stuff like that. That's it's great. Really cool. Were you thinking about the artwork? Yeah, because that, you know, it's the music's kind of also informed by that. And it's, again, everything that I do is, with this at least, is has been so iterative mm-hmm. that like, I don't know if I could really put together the music and then give it to somebody and then say, make album art for that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like, what I did do, though, is I gave her uh, some demo tracks. I'm like, this is the vibe that I'm going for. Whether these tracks themselves end up on it, um, or even if they do end up on it, they're not going to be exactly the same. Like, all that's up for debate. But this is the vibe. And so, uh, then I also kind of told her, like, the kind of aesthetic that I'm going for for the album artwork and stuff. And she's she started... Uh, paintings uh based on the music that she hears and then also the general aesthetic that i told her that i was looking for so it's it's coming together cool uh, i just don't know when everything will be done and right. this is what well, this will also be my first like real album <laughs> which i'm super excited about uh but it's all super new to me right so i'm kind of feeling my way through and i think if i had done it before things would be a little bit more like a like a factory line yeah um but it's super organic right now Cool man, yeah. I, I'm really looking forward to you know hearing this album when it comes out. Yeah, I appreciate it. I love, I like <laughs> we'll see when music. it comes out. Like, hope I don't disappoint it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you don't disappoint ever, man. <laughs> appreciate it. Thank I you. I mean, I've seen you play. I've you know you got. To, I booked you to play Peak because I know you make a solid set. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, it's this stuff has come together because um, you have a. <laughs> I wouldn't be performing if I didn't have a group of very willing and able enablers. <laughs> and um, again, I was totally into just being like this bedroom musician that I'd share some stuff with some friends and then leave it at that. Um, but you know, people actually saying like, "Hey, you should perform something." It's like, cool. They nobody knew what I was performing. They were just like, "You should perform something," and it's really just about, you know getting friends to get out there right yeah um and it's i i was lucky enough that it had good reception um so um yeah no pressure <laughs> <laughs> well i you well, you also bring in a crowd yeah appreciate it yeah I, I think you really did it, it was a lot of fun um and again this is the kind of thing that i'd be super into like once i'm back in vancouver i would totally be down to fly back down if you there's another peak session or 
any of these other shows like hell like you know a show that doesn't exist yet <laughs> totally. just let me know and I would totally fly down for it I think we need to start booking playing like art galleries or something sure I a friend of mine from back home again we used to play guitar together and we were into metal music so he's I think he's a little confused on what I'm making now <laughs> and I'm like he's like so what do you see as like an ideal audience and then I kind of came from left field so I didn't quite know how to answer it but when I thought about it I was like okay so what I'd love like I, I don't I don't necessarily listen to like dance music and stuff like that so like playing something very upbeat that everyone's moving to and all that that's it's cool it's it's just not my thing right what I would love is like carpets and like people like sitting on bean bags <laughs> and like you know get about 50 people into a room like in a, but a, in a, a big loud sound system like so you're just kind of wrapped in sound mm-hmm. and everybody's sitting down and nobody like nobody likes you know standing up and like going crazy it's like just people chilling out and playing to that you know turn the lights down low and like i i think that'd be super fun um there was a oh man what was that it was a new year's eve 2004 i'm mm-hmm. at the regency ballroom over here in san francisco off of van ass mm-hmm. and a friend of mine who uh puts on shows for like a non-salon which is also associated with Burning Man um, put you know it got me to, into the show and it was you know just like a New Year's Eve party that they do every year mm-hmm. and I just took my I was I had a couple friends there hanging out but it, I also took the time to just really explore the place yeah because there was Regency Ballroom has like four or five levels besides the main stage if yeah. you go upstairs there's rooms up there, and they were using every room in the for this whole New Year's Eve party, and every room had a different theme. There's some company that rented out. And it is so cool. It's it, it is really cool. Like you can totally have your own little parties at each one of these rooms. There was a ch- and there was a chill room where if you were want to chill out and just sit down on a beanbag or something, there was a room for that. That sounds it, super ideal. It was great. Yeah, I, I used to joke that it's you know. The, Again, if you take all these like different performers at resonant frequencies, like you have your your ten PM sets, you have your midnight sets, and then I'm more of the you know three AM set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chill out. Yeah, right on. Well, Dorian, thank you so much for coming by again and doing this, man. Thank you. I mean, thank you for having me again. Like it was so much fun. We've had we always have fun. No, oh, for sure. No, this is <laughs> no this. Again, I'm sorry it took so long for this, but uh, that's all right. You know, yeah. you know, I had to actually I had to be a journalist about this and write down things. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Thank you so much for bringing me over. Absolutely.